You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that we were making some changes with staff. And I also talked about the fact that um, as a faith community, um, relationships matter. People matter. Um, what goes on within our staff is, is hugely, a, a crucial part, hugely, <laughs> a crucial part of the life of our church, is it not? We are not some corporation that just plug and play and who cares and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we're family. And a good family takes time to, to sit down and communicate at times, right? We have what we call the family meeting at our house. Even our kids are like, oh, family meeting time. So we're gonna talk about something important. We're gonna share, we're gonna listen, we're gonna, all those things. And so um, that's what we wanna embody here. We wanna be a kingdom organization that talks about things that matter to all of us. And so, um, you know, we're a family, Jonathan, the Berkeys have been a part of this family. They are a part of this family. And so we just want to continue to have that conversation about what God is doing, how he's calling, what he's leading and doing. And uh, I just wanted you know, to give Jonathan an opportunity to kind of to talk here for a few minutes. And we're going to have a four-minute family meeting or whatever. It's quick. The thing is, I guess there's only going to be two of us talking. So it'd be kind of weird, but... Uh, you know, so Pastor Chip made an announcement a couple of weeks ago that, that maybe there was some ambiguity or um, wasn't heard necessarily clearly kind of what he was saying. So I want to give some context for that. Sure. Uh, a couple of years ago during COVID, Kate and my, our hearts really became uh, turned toward and aware of issues of social and economic injustice, uh, poverty, and hopelessness, particularly right here in the city of Lima. It's one of the reasons that we started foster care. I don't know if you know that. We're fostering a little guy right now through Allen County. It's just kind of this awareness that was, that was growing uh, within us. Um, also during COVID, uh, when you know, we all thought that the world was ending, uh, Wes Reese and I and a couple of others, we were concerned about the Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's a pretty big bill that the church uh, was writing a check for. And we actually started a 501c3 called Compassionate Ministries of Lima, which then the point of starting the 501c3 was to be able to solicit donations from people apart from the church that were in, the in town to keep the, the dinner going. Uh, well, that's continued to grow and more and more opportunities have, have become more and more and more available to us. And we're kind of exploring what, what Compassionate Ministries of Lima, you know, looks like. Um, and over time, I mean, Kate and I have really kind of been wrestling with this call, a call to compassionate ministry, to, to mission. And um, some of you may be wondering to yourself, you know, why, why all of a sudden now, why this, why this change of, you know, staff? And many of you may not know. We talked about an interjection, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Even so much to the fact that a few months ago. Yes. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, many of you may not know this, uh, Kate and I actually made an, applied to be overseas missions. You know, we came to this point where we were like, you know, maybe we just need to pack up our stuff and, and our family and go, go serve the poor. And with, for whatever reason, that, that didn't come to fruition, you know? Uh, so, you know, people are kind of asking, you know, why, why, this, why this transition? Well, 
the fact of the matter is, even though there's been kind of this call, this, this nag, this, this prompting in our hearts, uh, Kate and I love being here at Lima Community Church, you know? I love being the worship pastor. It's what I know, you know? Um, it's, it's familiar. There's, there's a comfort to being here, you know? Uh, any, any of you have maybe a, a child who graduates from high school but still stays around the house, you know? It's comfortable, you know what I'm saying? They know the Wi-Fi password, you know? They know too many passwords, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, had, had Pastor Chip not, not initiated this, this shift, this change, I don't know that it would, I don't know if it would have taken place. I don't know when it would take place. You know, but the, the more that, that, that kind of time is, is going on here, uh, the more doors are opening, the more that I'm really understanding. And I think that we're all gonna look back at this moment as a community as one of great significance, one of great promise. Um, Pastor Chip and I, we're, we're gonna continue a partnership. Uh, the desire is that Kate and I would be a part of um, doing um, kind of some sort of Nazarene mission work, compassionate ministry in downtown Lima as an extension of Lima community, uh, just still in, in partnership. And again, we're exploring that. That's, it's, there are still conversations that need to be had, so I don't yep. wanna, we're not unveiling some you know, big plan <laughs> this morning necessarily. Um, but just want to just want to communicate that spirit of togetherness, um, of promise, of optimism, uh, that what is coming. Uh, I think that what God has in store for us is bigger than any of us, and we're That's just right. looking forward to it. That's right. You know, when I came, uh, I, I realized being one of the larger Protestant churches in the city uh, that it falls upon us, and it is our responsibility to have a high impact in the city. And just wrestling with what that looks like, how we do that, and seemingly having conversations with people in the city. And it, it's like, oh, this is, this is a more of a struggle than I thought, and it's not as easy. And yet, through the way that the Lord has worked and called and spoke, I'm, just, I'm more optimistic about our kingdom footprint in Lima than I've ever been. And um, this is just a part of this. And so we're continuing the conversation today. It will be to be continued. We'll keep talking about what everything looks like. But um, I think we should be incredibly hopeful. And I think as Jonathan, Kate, the girls start to make this transition, just even today, I think we, we start praying for them as you have more clarity about what's going on. We continue to pray for them and um, just lift them up. Uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to celebrate Jonathan. Um, I spooked him a little bit first service. We're going to find blooper videos. You know, I'm afraid it's going to be a roast is what I'm worried about. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> and he's like, he told me there are blooper videos out there. And I'm like, man, you're so smooth. Like, how is there any blooper videos? But I guess there is. So I'm looking forward to finding them. <laughs> but um, can we just pray? Can we just stop and start to pray together about this? Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that what you're doing is, is it's incredibly and immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. According to the Holy Spirit that works in us and speaks to us and calls us and directs us and leads us. Lord, we are willing vessels and now we just wait to see the immense things that you're gonna do as we just give ourselves to you in service. And so, Lord, we pray for the Berkeys as they go to this place where there's brokenness and there's dysfunction. 
There's poverty. Really just a sense of hopelessness. Lord, teach us how we can can figure out how to, to spread your love, your grace into this. The hope of the gospel and the tangible works of the gospel of bringing hope, of breaking strongholds, of poverty and brokenness, I pray. So I pray that you would even now begin to give Jonathan a spirit of of revelation, of understanding, of confidence. Lord, would you strengthen? Would you direct? Would you give wisdom? Would you empower in every way what you are doing here in our city? We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people, if you agree with this, please say amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Eleven twenty-seven, so I got 30 minutes, right? I'm going to stay at 30 minutes. I learned first service. I prepared three sermons in one. You guys can sympathize with that. I do that too often. So I learned from first service, and I'm going to be like one point, drive it home, feel like this is where the Lord wants us to land. But I want to share something, uh, a couple things. Um, some sweet person this week wrote me a note, and I just had to chuckle because it's not the first time I've heard this. They simply said, Chip, I love the fact that you move around or whatever, but could you please stand on the left side a little bit more? (laughs) And I just chuckled because every church that I've been at, three now, they have told me the same thing. (laughs) Somebody in in the audience has said, can you stop going to the right? All you do is talk to the people on your right. So I'm gonna try today to... So you guys just point, go like this, okay? How many of you have seen the movie Cast Away? Yeah, not as many as I thought. The premise of Cast Away, played by Tom, uh, the main character played by Tom Hanks, this phenomenal actor of our, of our generation, is a successful businessman on a plane. The plane crashes over an ocean. He survives and ends up on an island uh, isolated by himself. And this movie plays out where he is figuring out how to live alone. And really, though, the themes of this movie are, are, are super, super um, impactful, I think, for all of us to just understand the human condition, human nature. But one of my, my favorite thing about the whole movie is that Tom Hanks on an island alone, figuring out how to survive and making fire and, and surviving storms and all that stuff is that just like all of us, it's not long until he is lonely. He is so alone. 
And it's obvious that this is his deepest, deepest need. He gets to the point where he's so alone that he had found a volleyball. You remember this? What was the name of the volleyball? Wilson. Wilson. And he actually makes a little face on Wilson and he begins to have a relationship with the volleyball because he's so desperate for human connection. I can't help but think that a lot of us would have done the same thing. Most of us, all of us, even the introverts among us, that being alone on a deserted island right now sounds great. Even you over time would be like, I just need people. Made in God's image, relational God in nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, makes us to only live, to fully live when we are in rich, meaningful relationships with one another. Those of you today who have been hurt by relationships, we all have been hurt, some to a a really far degree, probably don't like listening to this stuff because you, you do just want to not open up. You do want to protect yourself. But I still want to talk to you to remind all of us that we are not complete and we are not the way we are designed if we are not experiencing deep, meaningful relationships amongst ourselves. And so that's why we've walked through this series. If, if this year we've talked about some loving God things and we've talked about making disciple things, we want to just explore a little bit more what it means to love others, why this matters, why this is a part of how we were designed. And we've seen that in Romans 12, it's this chapter, it's kind of like the Magna Carta of relationships. It's like 21 verses just full of instructional principle and advice and wisdom and truth for us to understand, okay, I'm relational, I need relationships, but how do I make relationships work? Because if relationships are the most valuable thing in the world, it's, it's obviously true that they are the place where the most brokenness, most hurt, most trauma also exists. Amen? I mean, our world is, is relationally traumatized in so many ways. That is the epicenter of our brokenness. And it is like the place where our, the sinful nature and fallenness of our world manifests in its own way, its, its biggest way, when we selfishly use people, manipulate people, discard people, don't value people as we pursue our own thing. And it just creates such a mess. And the Lord is saying, whoa, 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 you, this, is, this is so opposite of what I've created you to experience. And here in my love and my grace, I've given you an opportunity to have a reset, to be renewed, and to start something new. And, he, and Romans 12 is written to help us to understand. And so it's like these words um, that are in this chapter that I've put out there, humility, role. Today, we're gonna to think about authentic, devoted, selfless. There's empathy, there's peaceable, there's resolved. These words, if we can overlay them over all of our relationships, I can guarantee you that the Lord will begin to bring health and meaning, restoration, 
and effectiveness and, and fulfillment into our lives. If in every relationship with our spouse, with our kids, with our immediate family, with our extended family, with our friends, our coworkers, our church, like if these words can be at play in our lives and our relationships, then God is going to do the deep, meaningful and rich thing he always intended for us to have. And we don't have to go out making volleyballs to have relationships with, right? It can be living, breathing people that we can start to move into relationship with. We've talked about in this chapter, we've went through eight verses. There's the relationship with God, all in. The relationship with, to the world, non-conforming. The relationship to self, it's healthy and it's accurate. And that in, in part begins to create these, these values of humility. I don't think of myself more highly than I ought. I don't value myself above anybody else. I see myself as God sees me and I see the equality that exists and I refuse to allow myself to think of uh, myself more highly than I ought. It also is, as that's happening, I find my place and my role on the team and I understand that this is where I'm wired. This is how I'm put together and I'm fulfilled in that. And I only then see that as I am wired, this is what I can bring to the table of the team, the church, the body of Christ in relationships. This is my place. And I, I don't try to do 17 things, but I just understand who I am and I find my role. And part of healthy relationships is people knowing their role and living in their role. Amen. But today I want, I want to talk about four verses. It's like this expanding circle with this chapter from God to world to self and now really to the family of God, others, our church, the body of Christ, those people we do life with. It, 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 it's in these four verses. And I've decided right now to just read through them, do a running commentary on them, and then come back and only sit in the first part of this um, this section. If you're more interested in other things, then come talk to me. I got a lot of notes up here that I shouldn't be doing today. And I, it's just the way it is, right? But I just felt like the Lord wanted me to sit on this first thing. But let's understand the passage. Let's read through it and kind of get a feel for what the Holy Spirit is talking to us about in relationships. Verse 9 of chapter 12 of Romans, love must be sincere. And that's where I'm going to go here at the end of our sermon. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. The word hate there is abhor. Uh, the best uh, visual analogy for this word is, have you ever, uh, this happens at our house sometimes, have you ever left milk in the refrigerator too long? Hopefully it was in the fridge and not because it gets really bad. But like, and you've opened the cap and you've smelled it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Spoiled milk is terrible. That's this word. Feel that way. Have that sense, that repulsion to what is evil. Now in the context of this, in relationships, what is evil is to not be sincere in our love. 
That's what, it, that's what this follows. Cling to what is good. Be devoted. It's this marriage bond kind of clinging to only wanting sincere, authentic relationships. I'm going to abhor anything that is phony, fake, and not real. It's not sincere. And I'm going to cling to only those things that are real and are authentic and that are good and helpful, right? Be devoted to one another in love. This word devoted is the idea, it's this uh, double word. It's the word that we get, um, the, the town of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's this idea of family, of lovingly love one another. Be devoted to one another. It, it's, it's kind of this idea of a love that's not, caused by desire. It's not caused by beauty or attractive personality, but it's a natural love that just occurs within a family, normal, natural, kindred love. It's opposed to love that is generated by attraction, personality, beauty, lust, desire, circumstance, or anything like that. It's just normal family love. What is important in the context of relationships with one another is we do not relate with one another based on, hey, you're a really good athlete or you're a really attractive person or you're really talented at that. Our relationships are not based on those kinds of things, but we see ourselves as the body of Christ as just family, right? My brother is my brother. Like, it doesn't matter if my brother's not a major league baseball player. He's still my brother. I didn't look at him and say, you know what? You didn't make it to the big leagues. I'm out. Right? Like, this word is to be devoted to one another. It's not performative in nature. It's committed to just the family, like we do with our families, right? Sometime to our detriment, amen? It's like, why do you have to be my family? And yet we understand that there's a sense of like, sometimes they, I don't like what my family does, but they're still family. And obviously there's, there's a place and a time to, to look at our family and say, hey, dude, that's not right, okay? But you don't disown them, right? And if, and if, and if they do something that you think is, do you get the idea? Be devoted to one another, be committed that the idea of relationships is I'm in this with you and it doesn't matter if you check all these boxes, we're just family, we're family. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In fact, it's this idea of what Jesus said, the first being last and the last being first. It's we are in a hurry to see the good in others before we even see ourselves, the good in us. We are in a hurry to see someone else succeed even before we see ourselves succeed. See how this is so different than the world around us? See how this calls us to a nonconformist type mentality that actually relationships are better when I'm, I'm as happy when you succeed as I am when I succeed. 
And in fact, I reorient my life to say, you know what? I'm just willing to become a part of something where I'm actually wanting them to see happiness, to do well, to find peace. It's like this. It's, it's what I would say, relationology in this authenticity, in this devotion, in this selflessness is relationships are best lived out when we live with a giving, not getting mentality. Amen. Listen, I didn't know this. I didn't get this at all at first. Even in my marriage. And then the Lord just, I will tell you, my marriage has been the greatest place God has changed my life. Like it's the place where God has revealed to me my need for his sanctifying work. And I actually realized that the beauty and the promise of fulfilling life-giving relationships is when I think about Nicole before I think about myself. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like, no, you gotta look out for yourself. Why don't you try looking out for them and see what happens? Like this begins this beautiful cycle. Relationology says, honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. You know, it is a giving, not getting. It is a committed, not casual. It's like Ephesians would say, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I'm not going anywhere. First Peter 4, 8 would say this, above all, love each other deeply or fervently because love covers a multitude of sins. This word deeply or fervently, it's like a muscle being stretched out, being exercised. Be fervent, be willing to be stretched in your love for one another. It's also this idea that if you'll be stretched, your relational muscles, as you exercise them, your capacity to love others well will only increase. But are you willing to be stretched relationally? Are you willing to invest in others? Are you willing to give yourself for the sake of others? Are you willing to begin to live a life with a disposition that is others focused instead of me centered? Relationships only thrive and you only find actually then the fulfillment and the meaning that you're desperately looking for yourself when you begin to give, not look to get. I don't know how many people have already done their funeral or talked to them in the later years of their life who have lived only focused and trying to get, get, get. And the loneliness and the isolation and the unhappiness and the regret that happens is, it's, it's the saddest thing. It's the saddest thing. And yet, to be around someone who has lived for others and to watch the rich relationships and love that is experienced. When we, when we pass, we talk about relationships. We don't talk about possessions. We don't talk about accomplishments. Amen? A few of you up front are with me. He says, 
Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's saying, listen, this is the hardest thing is to stay engaged in our relationships. And so I'm telling you, you've got to make sure that this becomes your priority. Be joyful in hope. Man, there's people in your life that there's, you just, it's, it seems hopeless in relationships or the fact that is this relationship ever going to work or is it, is it ever going to be healed or is it ever going to be restored? He said, be joyful in hope when thinking about those relationships. Be patient in affliction. You ever have somebody in your life that afflicts you? Don't look at them. You know what I mean? Like, patient with that, being devoted, sticking with it, not bailing as soon as things get a little tough. Amen. We need to talk about this in our society when irreconcilable differences is the most common phrase used for divorces. Stick with it. Stick in it. Believe what God can do faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. He's saying relationships are active, not absent. But for the next 10 minutes, let me go back to that word. Love must be sincere. This word Paul uses is without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. Or for us in 21st century, love shouldn't be fake. That seems to imply that there can be a sense of love that seems to be real but is not. And I would say that all around our world operates under this kind of thing. Like, I I only seem to like you or love you because I need to use you or I need to get from you or I need to manipulate you for me. And he says that relationships are built on something that is different than that. It's, it's a realness. It's an authenticity. We live in a selfie culture, do we not? Like, we are so good at projecting an image of ourselves. Image management has become a huge thing. I mean, it's crazy what we try to put out there about ourselves that are, it's probably not the reality of our life. Amen? Like, I've shared this before, but like, the family picture is a big thing for me to understand this. Like when you walk into my home and you look at my wall and there's this picture of six people smiling and looking like, you know, the, the uh, perfect little family. You and I both know that that was about two seconds of an hour. <laughs> right? That the rest of the hour was threats. It was begging. It was blackmail. It was ice cream promised. And it was just smile, sit still, stop squirming. But what did we project on the wall? Right? But the reality is, as we all know, like it was pinching and it was smile, you know, smile. And if you're a photographer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Love cannot be like that, like the picture on the wall. It's real life, and it calls for us to be authentic. Paul's borrowing from the Greek of his day and in the Greek theater language. And back then, it was, it was male actors. And, and if you were a good actor, you learned how to throw your voice. And you, you, could, you could be a male and play a female. You could play an old person, a young person. You just became a good actor. You could dress up in different costumes and you could change who you kind of were, but it really wasn't who you were. Paul says this word for mask, so to speak. Let love be without a mask. Let the real you show up. I looked up the word authentic. Put simply, it's true to your personality, your values, your spirit, regardless of the pressure that you're under to act otherwise. It's an honesty with yourself and others, and it's a taking of responsibility of who you are. Your values, ideals, and actions, they align. As I shared last week, we live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a world that, that, that values image and performance. And you are, you are valued on what you look like and what you can do. Our culture's full of it, right? The highest paid people in our culture are people that, do, um, that, that have talents, Amen? Whether it's movie actors, whether it's athletes, whether it's singers, our whole value system of our world is misplaced. And so it's easy for all of us to think, I'm not as good as them. I'm not as valuable. And so we're, we're filled not only because of our ungodly culture, but our own brokenness and our failures, our mistakes. Every one of us is with sin and have fallen short of the glory of God. We've blown it. We've done things that we're ashamed of. We, we sometimes seemingly can't get it together. We're our own worst enemies. And so what this also then causes is a, a sense of shame and, and insecurity that resides within us. And so if I'm living with shame and if I'm insecure, it's really hard to show people the real me because I'm worried about being rejected and unloved and I won't belong. And the Lord is saying to us that if you want relationships to thrive, you have to be real. You have to come to a place where even though, yeah, I'm insecure about that, but you know what? I'm a child of God and I'm created in his image and I actually have been uniquely created. I have unique talents and gifts and abilities that I'm not going to be insecure about what God created. I'm not gonna be shameful about the decisions I've made in my past. I, it is what it is, right? Like, if you live in your past, you will never get past your past. You will be a prisoner to it. And it's a willingness to say, I'm not gonna live with shame, but I believe in Christ. He's given me new life, new hope, and a new path forward. It doesn't matter where I've come from or what, what, you know, like, uh, what my pedigree is. None of that matters. I'm not gonna be insecure about any of that. 
Now, here's what I, I do want to, to say. That authenticity demands vulnerability. Amen. There was this lady about 12 years ago who did a TED Talk. Anybody watch TED Talks? Um, really smart people in the world do talks. And she did a TED Talk about the power of vulnerability. I checked this morning, that talk has been viewed 62 million times. On YouTube, it's been viewed 20 million times. There is a deep longing within all of us to come to a place where we can find relationships where we can be truly vulnerable. There is nothing more empowering, there is nothing more satisfying than showing someone who you really are and them still loving and accepting and caring for you. It's the most empowering thing in the world. When it's just you, it's just you and they love you for you. And that calls for us to be willing to be vulnerable with one another. I believe the church is called to be a place where authenticity is modeled. Where in a world where performance and image and all these other things are measured, that you come into the house of God and none of that matters. That authenticity, the real me, can connect with the real you. And yeah, I've got warts and I've got faults and I have this personality and you, but it doesn't matter. We're truly loved and devoted to one another. Are you with me? Okay. Here's some things she said that I think are powerful. I mean, this is from a scientist that has observed this thing for years and years, she's given her life to this reality. And I would say, lady, thank you for all your work, but the scriptures have always said that. Here's what she found out about what the scriptures have always said. Spiritual connection and engagement is the product of love, belonging, and vulnerability. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope. Vulnerability is defined by her as an uncertainty, a risk, an emotional exposure. I'm gonna put myself out there. And yet, the ability to truly know one another, to love one another, to connect at those levels that create brotherhood and sisterhood, that create a sense of belonging, it demands that we're willing to take that risk. Love must be sincere. It's without the mask. Love must be the real you trying to connect with other real people. It's the willingness to say, hey, I love this statement. I've heard this all my life. A lot of times we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Stop trying to impress people and start connecting with people. When there is authenticity, 
that we practice vulnerability to have that authenticity. The power of relational connection begins to build. And we become a bonded unit in your marriage, with your kids, with your church family, with your small group, your people you do life with. When the real you can live, powerful relational things can happen. My question to you today is, in relationships, are you willing to be vulnerable? If you're never willing to be vulnerable, you'll only live at a certain surface level. May God help us as the body of Christ to create an environment of authenticity. I'll go first, I'll be vulnerable so that people can find authentic, real, life-giving love. Father, help us. Help us, help us, help us. We got so much going on in this world and so many things that try to inform how we think life should be. And Lord, our relationships are at the center. Man, there's so much going on with those. Lord, help us to grab a hold of these words, to be authentic, to be devoted, to be selfless. Lord, I just felt like you wanted me to talk about being authentic today. Help us to have the courage to be vulnerable with one another. Confident in our, in our place as a child of God, and okay with the fact that I'm broken, I need help, but guess what I know you do too. Let's just take off the mask and let's connect with each other at a level that helps us to begin to grow together. Lord, I pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.